Insurance is the least important thing until it's the most important thing. Welcome to Unemployable University. I'm your host, Joshua Lapidus, and today we're talking to the co-founder of Opolis, Eddie Pastor, about how to solve one of the greatest struggles of being unemployable, access to affordable, quality health insurance for freelancers and independents. Over the course of this episode, we cover some of the challenges freelancers face in the health insurance marketplace, some of the best and worst options available, the typical costs associated, age-banded healthcare, and why employment-based is better. And if you wait until the end of the episode, you'll learn how Opolis reimagines healthcare benefits for the self-employed. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Eddie. I'd really like to know your why. Why do you spend so much time and effort in making it so that unemployables can have it a little bit easier? Yeah, so the reason I've spent so much energy on trying to make an independent worker's life easier is because I really obsess over this idea of balancing the power of the worker and the project. And I think there should be a very strong balance there. I'm very passionate that when someone owns their own business, they have the confidence and they have the pride in their work that benefits both them and the project. And they have the ability to work with who they want, where they want potentially, and even when they want, as long as they're delivering those results. So my unemployable story begins before I really even fully understood what it meant to be a contractor or self-employed for that matter. Um, one of my very good friends was a contract worker for a lot of the very large tech companies, Apple and HP and things like that. And, you know, the way that that relationship works is they just hire these temp workers that are on the project indefinitely. So they're not really temp workers, but they're sort of treated like a temp worker from all the other employees. So it's sort of like the people that are in the club and then the others that have to come in and have to like not get paid for vacation and have a totally separate benefits package and don't have all the same perks, but are doing the exact same work. I could, I guess, empathize with his, his experience, but I didn't really understand it. Right. So then I met the founder, John Paller through my wife, actually, and they were, my wife was friends with his wife. And I was at the time working for an ultra luxury travel company. So totally not related to anything payroll. I never imagined myself getting into the payroll services business, but because I was in corporate finance, I sort of had to learn accounting. And so I'm, I was familiar with some of the things at any rate. So I linked up with John and he was running a traditional staffing company at the time, which is putting these contract workers on assignment at these big companies. And he wanted to do something different. He wanted to shake it up and balance the power between the worker and the project or the client or the employer, right? And at the time, we thought that it was a good idea to, to address this through the recruiting industry. Maybe we could split the balance. We could help balance the power by really advocating for a agent relationship where every worker has their own recruiter that really advocates for them. Anyway, we ran into some blockers with that and uh, turns out that people don't naturally want to collaborate or share. So we pivoted after years of growing that business, we ultimately sold it and we pivoted into something new. And as we were in the R&D stage, we started to think, okay, we, our goal and our purpose has always been, how do we balance the power 
between this worker and the project, right? Or traditionally called the employer. And as blockchain started to become popular and it started to come into focus for us, and I sort of got red-pilled with that, right? And went down that rabbit hole and learning uh, blockchain and decentralization and the culture and really the purpose of doing that it started to really become clear that we needed to not work directly with the recruiters, but actually work with the ever-growing population of independent workers. And it's just some of its timing. I think a lot of it was timing, and, but it was also this past experience of being in the staffing business and trying to decentralize that industry in a way. So what happened then is uh, one day, everything just sort of came together and it just clicked. What if we do the same sort of payrolling services that we do for these contract workers, but rather than being sort of like modern day slaves in a sense, where they get put on assignment and they don't even get all the money that's being billed, right? The recruiting company takes most of it. What if we just worked directly with them to give them access to all of these services? Now it seems like such an obvious thing, but no one is doing it. Why is nobody doing it? So there are services out there called PEOs, and they do just payroll services, but they do them for other companies that centralize their employees, right? And so if I'm a, if I'm a company of 10 or 20, I work with a large PEO or a small PEO, there's 20,000 PEOs, and I just don't want to have to deal with, the, with any of the payroll compliance or taxes or anything like that, and I want them to help me curate benefits and everything else. So I'm just going to put all my employees over there and wash my hands of it and just pay them. The thing is, there's no change in the balance of power there though. And what I mean by sure. the balance of power isn't that the worker now has all of the power, right? That's why this, the, I really want to emphasize the balance. When you're an independent worker, you now become the owner, right? Of your consulting company. And as such, there's a responsibility. So there's an empowerment that you are a self-sovereign worker, but there's also a responsibility that you have to show up and deliver your, with excellence, right? And so in the best sense, the balance would benefit both parties. The project would benefit because it would have engaged, interested contributors, and the actual contributors would benefit because they have the benefits and perks and the ease and everything else of, well, working with Opolis, but they also take pride in their work because they own their business. What is your role at Opolis and what is your, what's your day-to-day? -day? Like, what is the, tell me about the life of Eddie. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So my role is I'm an executive steward over finance and compliance, essentially. So my day-to-day -day can vary. The finance aspects are related to key performance indicators for our company, um, you know, tracking of results, as well as managing the financial statements and the, just the overall health of the business. We also are in capital raising mode. And so there's some aspects of my job where I, I help put together pitch decks and other sorts of items for diligence, for investing. And then there's just general monthly accounting, right? So there's that side of it, corporate finance, as well as, you know, just typical accounting. And then the compliance side is in my role, Oftentimes it's at the legal level, so it's usually higher upstream. I don't personally engage with a lot of member support, but I do have some weigh in and oversee some of the support items that come in. And on the compliance side of what I do, it's so boring. You don't even want to hear about it. Just know this. I do it so that our members don't have to. 
And so we handle all those really boring things like state compliance, local compliance, federal compliance, employment compliance, workers' compensation, all of these things that is in my wheelhouse so that members don't have to think about it. So what you're describing sounds like contingent workforces, which when I was at Lyft, I was part of a contingent workforce with Ronstad, where you get all of the direction of being a W-2 employee, but none of the benefits of being a W-2 employee, uh, which is not an ideal situation. So what we're doing is reshaping that contingent workforce. Are we, is Opolis replacing it? What is the, what's the rebalance? So in a sense, independent workers are starting to peel away from the contract, the traditional, what do we call it? The staffing company sort of arrangement because they know that the staffing company is marking up their bill rate and they're getting less money and they're getting really poor benefits. What are they marking it up? Is it like 17, 20, 25? 50 to 70%. Yeah. And some of that- That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And some of that is to cover the employer taxes and the benefits that they provide. But usually those benefits are very, very minimum, very poor. There's a lot that the house takes, the recruiting company. So- If you can find your own project or if you can use online marketplaces and job boards and things to find your own projects, why would you work with a staffing company to do that when you can make 50% more on the bill rate? So what we're seeing just in, in trends is that's already happening is especially in tech and other sort of more professional like high caliber, I guess you would say, businesses, the talent is in such demand that you can show up and say, I want to work as a contractor. Here's my consulting company and here's my bill rate, right? And where you may, may be getting $50 an hour it, it, equivalent on a salary, you're now charging 75 to 100. Now, the catch, what's the catch? The catch is you are now a 1099 worker. And as a 1099 worker, you are now responsible for handling your compliance and and making sure you withhold and report your taxes correctly. And there's a lot of times where people forget to do that or think that they don't have to pay certain taxes, don't know what taxes they have to pay. And at the end of the year, when they file, they owe 20, 30 grand and they've spent it, right? And it's like, oh, I got all that money in, but I spent it, I don't have that. And then you get into issues with the IRS and so 1099, that's an IRS tax form. Yep. A 1099 oh, right. is a, a, an alternative source of income. It's a f- form that if you work for a project, that project is going to mail you a 1099 at the end of the year for tax time instead of a W-2. And it's going to state how much you earned through them. And so from the company's perspective, they are just paying you as a vendor and then they're issuing you a 1099 and then you are now, the IRS knows that your company or you as an individual made that income and is going to be looking for the taxes. Got it. So if I'm earning crypto, let's say I work in DAOs and DAOs don't have legal entities and they're just issued, they're just sending me die on a biweekly or monthly basis. There's no 1099. Do I still need to pay taxes on that money? Technically, you're supposed to still disclose that on your personal tax return as other income and it would be taxed just the same as if it were 1099 income. So that I'm responsible for that tax burden, even if I'm not getting a form that tells me. Yeah, this. yeah. So uh, absolutely, and and with the IRS starting to really gear up, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they are not thinking about exactly that use case where there's there's a vast amount of contributors, especially in blockchain, that are receiving crypto and not properly paying tax on it. It's on chain. I wouldn't gamble with not paying your taxes on that. I keep reading that Opolis gives me a W-2 
what is the journey between me getting paid in die from a DAO to getting a W2 from Opolis? Yeah, so the difference, well, the journey between when I'm paid by a DAO, let's start there, right? I receive crypto or potentially even USD, depending on the DAO, how the DAO is structured. I now have a gross amount of income. Let's say it's $10,000. That's a gross amount. That's before any taxes. If I go and I spend that money, that would be unwise because then at the end of the year, when I file my return, I have to disclose this income and I have to pay ordinary income taxes on it. And I have to pay the self-employed tax as well, which is the full rate of Social Security and Medicare. So you got federal wow. tax, income tax, you have Social Security and Medicare tax, and sometimes you have state tax, depending on what state you live, sometimes local taxes. All these things can add up to 35, 40% in some cases. So if I think that I have 10,000 to spend and I spend it, $4,000 of that is owed at the end of the year when I file. And if, unless I've been smart all along and, and, and I've been you know, calculating it and really thinking about it and putting it aside, where are you gonna come up with that money? That's a problem. Then you have penalties and other things too. And in some cases, you're supposed to estimate your earnings quarterly, right? And file an estimation and prepay some of these taxes in advance. Okay. So instead of spending my 10,000 die, I'm going to send it to Opolis. Okay. So the journey, so yeah, you just heard the journey of when I receive this $10,000, it's untaxed. I really should be setting it aside, but I don't really know my tax tables, right? So I'm kind of confused. Well, with Opolis, you plug in, you form an entity and you, and that enables you to payroll yourself as a, as an actual employee of your business through our platform. And so what that means is that we're going to do what traditional employers usually do. And that is we're going to run it through the exact IRS tax tables, according to the number of dependents that you have and your income level. And we're going to run it through the tax brackets. We're going to make sure that you're covered with your state taxes, your local taxes, your, all of the self-employment taxes will be covered so that when you, at the end, you process that $10,000, we divvy it all up. And then we route it to all the right places. We don't hold on to it, right? We send it off to the federal government for the federal taxes. We send it to the state. We send, and then if you've elected healthcare, then we we send it off to the, the carrier. And at the end, you get a paycheck just like you would if you were working for any big, large company. It's very seamless and very easy. And then at the end of the year, you would receive a W-2 just like you would if you were working for a company. So you know Got that it. you're compliant. You know that the income that reaches your bank account is yours to spend. And you know at the end of the year when you do your taxes, it's going to be simple. And depending on the number of dependents you stated, you'll probably end up getting a refund like you would with any other sort of employer arrangement. So I would no longer have to pay quarterly estimates because in each of my paychecks, you are withholding the right amount of tax to send to the state, local, federal governments. Yes. So when you run your payroll through the Opolis platform, you no longer need to submit quarterly tax filings or estimate your earnings because you're paying those taxes in real time with your paycheck. Awesome. You mentioned health insurance. So I want to go back a minute and say, I want to ask you, these staffing companies are bundling hundreds of employees together offering good insurance maybe, but not the same tier as working directly for one of the big guys. How does Opolis do insurance? So Opolis groups all of the members into one 
plan because Opolis serves as the employer of record for payroll purposes only. And so because of that, we have access to the high quality national networks that large companies can access because we pool all of our quote em employees together uh, under one plan. And so with that, we get the pricing power, the discounts, and also the better quality coverage that you just can't get if you're going direct to the exchanges. And when you go to the exchange, you're generally getting in-state coverage? So when you, go, when you get insurance through the exchange, which is really your only good option as an independent worker, depending on the state, there are very limited networks. There are restrictions and rules. So if you want to see a specialist, for example, you have to first go see a primary care physician and get the re referral and recommendation from that primary care doctor before you can even see a specialist. With Opolis and with these PPO networks, you don't need a, a primary care physician to refer any specialist. You can go right to your, your skin doctor or whoever else that you need to see and avoid that step. They also usually limit the places that you can go and the doctors that you can visit. And so we use Cigna's largest national network, and we have very good feedback in regards to the variety of choices people have. So we both work at Opolis, so we know that Opolis is an option. But let's say you're a freelancer listening to this. What other options are out there? What, let's say you, you're not ready to go with Opolis or you don't know that we exist. What, uh, what else is out there right now? Yeah, the primary option are the state exchanges, which were set up after Obamacare was passed, the Affordable Care Act. And they are limited networks and they are age banded sometimes. And depending on your income, they might not be that affordable. Your only other option that I'm aware of is purchasing what is referred to as like emergency insurance, which is costly. Cons a catastrophe. catastrophe. That's right. Catastrophe insurance. For what it is, I don't see it as or very affordable, but it is out there. Those are the only options that I'm aware of. <laughs> or just not get insurance or, at all. Or the other option, which unfortunately a lot of folks <laughs> do, is they just don't elect, they yeah. just don't have coverage. And they just kind of hope that they don't break their leg when they're snowboarding. But then when that happens, you, you know, it's sort of one of those things. Insurance is the least important thing until it's the most important thing. What is the average cost? for a freelancer who wants to get their benefits through Opolis? That's a nuanced question. So insurance, that's, that probably needs its own video. Okay, so the average cost, <laughs> the average cost of healthcare depends on if you are electing just yourself as an employee or if you're electing your spouse or a family. Well, let's say it's just, let's say it's just me. If it's just you and you want a decent plan starting at $299. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that is important to know about the way Opolis does health insurance is it's not age banded. I've heard this before. What does that mean? Yeah. So age banded healthcare means that depending on your age, your rate will be different. And as expected, the older you get, the more it would cost. And a lot of exchanges do that. And so it's it might be cheap and affordable for a 20 year old, but as time goes on, it gets more and more expensive. Ours, yeah, is age agnostic. So as you can see here, you know, our rates start at around $299 for our basic plan and go up to about $588 for one member, if you want the best kind of coverage that we have. And we've got options in between to suit different needs. So these rates are competitive with the state exchanges. 
and better than private insurance. How much do you make on these plans? Oh, we don't make anything on these plans. The, this is really just to cover the claims and the insurance. So this is cost. Cool. How can someone get the best rate for self-employed health insurance? Well, I strongly encourage folks to check out our benefit guide because I believe that our rates are the best out there or close to it when you weigh the benefits that you get and the perks that come with it and the network size and the other things we offer, like the compliance aspect and the tax withholding and all of those things. So how can somebody find that benefits guide? Yeah, just visit opolis.co. And the simplest way is to scroll to the bottom and there's a full benefit guide there, but there's also some other ways to access it. Let's see here. Hold on. It's under resources, technic. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, I like just pointing out the nerd stuff because we're nerds and we like to be self-deprecating about things. Yeah. So while you're there, check out the, the nerd stuff, the off, off white paper and the token paper. Yeah. This is an interesting, I don't know how to phrase this as a concise question, maybe just a discussion topic, but Opolis has a minimum exempt wage that you need to process to be eligible to join. In states like California, that can be close to $60,000 a year. And when you go on the state exchange, there's this game that, that lower earners will play with access to Medicaid. So what is the, like, is there like a formula or what is the value proposition of running 60K through Opolis and getting our insurance rather than not running that and just going with the state Medicaid? Yeah, so that, I mean, it varies by state. So I don't claim to be an expert for every sure. single exchange, but generally there are subsidies for your healthcare if you are near the poverty rate or some multiple of the poverty rate. So once you start getting into that $60,000 range, you're likely not going to be getting much from the state in terms of subsidies. So the, the real benefit is why just why not just pay, maybe even it's the same, but get better network coverage and have national coverage and have more variety in your network. In addition to that, you also get the compliance, right? And you know that your taxes are being taken care of. And there's reward tokens that come with your consumption and your participation in the ecosystem. When you access health insurance through Opolis, are you paying for it pre-tax or post-tax? How does that work? So the way we have it set up is that your company is actually paying for it and it works out to where it's tax deductible in the end. And so, no, you're not paying any income tax. It's not after you've paid your income tax. It's before you even pay yourself and it ends up being an expense to your company. That's another difference yeah. from the exchange. Well, the exchange, I think that you can end up claiming it as a tax deduction on your personal return. I'm uh -huh. not trying to give any tax advice or claiming to be a sure. tax expert, but generally health care is in general pre-tax, a pre-tax pre expense. So technically, if you have an S-corp, your company is expensing those premiums for your health care, and okay. then it ends up becoming ghost sort of income on your W-2, but then there is an, a, a separate box on the W-2 that makes it a personal expense. So it ends up being a, an expense for your company, then income to you, and then an expense to you. So it washes out and it is ultimately not taxed. That is an important nuance. And I think there are people who look for that information and aren't able to find it. So you said that's for an S-Corp. So what does it look like for a C-Corp? A C-Corp, it's just a business expense period. It's not passed on as this sort of phantom income on your W-2 because the tax code doesn't work the okay. same for a C-Corp. And why are we talking about S-Corp, C-Corp stuff? 
can I can't just join with an LLC? You can't, unfortunately. The tax code requires you to either have an S corp or C corp election at the federal level for tax purposes to employ yourself. And so for this whole model to work, for you to have tax withholdings like an employee, for you to have benefits like an employee, you need to become an employee as far as the IRS is concerned. And in order to do that, you need to elect that status. You can still have an LLC at the state level. So you're not required to do certain things like annual meetings and other sort of requirements that would happen if you were a full-blown C-Corp, but you do need to elect these tax statuses. Others can help you with that. We have membership stewards that can work with you depending on your situation. If you have an LLC, we can point you in the right direction to elect the right status. If you don't have an LLC and are starting from scratch, we have a team that can help you with that as well. Does Opolis make any money on the incorporation? We do not. Opolis does not upcharge for that. There is a fee, but it is passed on to our third-party vendor partner that is helping us with the actual incorporating ducks. Cool. Yeah, that's a, one of the things I like to say is that like, so it's $299 for a Wyoming LLC. And then we do the 2553 form to elect the escort for people. But if they can find it cheaper, they're welcome to do that because welcome to. we don't absolutely. Right? We're just trying to make it convenient. It's, for folks. it's not a part of, yeah, it's not, it's not a part of our service fees or anything like that. It's not a requirement. The only requirement is that you have that tax election. Yeah. Okay. So all right, we've talked about S Corp, C Corp. I noticed when I was going through the benefits guide that there are two different styles of plan. You have something called a PPO copay plan and something called a high deductible health plan. What is the difference between those? Yeah, so just to be clear on the PPO, they're all PPO networks, meaning that regardless of which plan you choose, you're still getting the full national coverage, Cigna's largest national network, and you're not limited to to something, whether you choose one or the other. The main difference though, between a, we call them copay plans and a high deductible plan is sort of in the name. The copay plans center more around having a low copay when you go in to see a specialist or get labs or go to the emergency room or things that are other than just your annual checkup, right? Because regardless of what plan you choose, you're going to have that, that annual with your primary care doctor, it's covered on all plans. So as you start to do things above that, let's say you do need some labs or you do wanna see a specialist for whatever reason, if you have a copay plan, that copay plan's monthly cost to you is higher than the high deductible plan, but when you go in and see a specialist, your out-of-pocket is gonna be a lot lower. So the name high deductible sort of explains it too. It's a cheaper plan monthly, but it's a much higher amount out of pocket until you hit a certain amount. So $5,000, let's say, for one of the plans. Do you think yeah. of the high deductible plans as like just high quality catastrophe plans? I think it's better than catastrophe. So yes, in a sense, it's higher quality than that. That's accurate. It's higher quality than catastrophe. I wouldn't put it in the same category as catastrophe insurance, though, because it it kicks in at a pretty low amount, depending on which one you elect. And everything after that, if you have the silver plan, for example, is covered by insurance. So once you hit cool. five grand, for example, anything you do for the rest of the year will be covered 100% for that silver plan. The cost 
is reasonable. And so what I recommend people do is use what's called an HSA, a health savings account. This can only be used if you have a high deductible plan. And so what this is, you can put some of your pre-tax dollars uh, into a savings account for health purposes. And it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. It rolls over every year. So you could build this health savings account up with the savings that you're getting on your premiums, your monthly amounts, versus paying for that copay plan, which is more expensive, right? So you're maybe instead yeah. of paying that extra premium, you're going to put some of that money aside in the event of anything happening. So when that happens, you already have those funds pre-taxed, set aside for needing to go to the emergency room or, or the urgent care. More and more folks are wanting to participate in this gig economy or in this economy where they are self-sovereign. And in a sense, we are decentralizing employment. And that's what keeps me going. Decentralizing employment. I love to hear it. I can't wait till we get there. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Eddie, at Unemployable University. It was great. Great chatting with you and looking forward to the series. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Till next time, I'm your host, Joshua Lapidus, a founding steward of Opolis, co-founder of SporkDAO, professional buff corn wrangler, and tenured professor here at Unemployable University. See ya.